This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories. We're pumping out content like crazy over at MichiganInsider.com. Michigan.247sports.com. We've got overall season content. We've got Minnesota content. We have uh, interviews with Minnesota insiders. We have uh, position previews. We have things to watch for. Lots of stuff. You'll get you'll get your fix. If if this preview episode isn't enough, uh, we also did a season preview episode yesterday. And so, lot really, whatever whatever you're looking for as Michigan prepares for its season debut on October 24th in Minneapolis. Uh, be sure to check it out at our site. This episode, I'll give you a quick outline. So we're going to do player to watch on each side. Michigan should be worried about blank. And then Steve and I just came up with this. I have a hunch that blank. So maybe taking the stats, taking the um, kind of the, the depth charts, the roster, taking that a little bit out of the equation and just gut feeling we have some over-unders, and then we will close with our final score predictions for the game. So, Steve, I know you did a story, players to watch, or players that you're watching for this game, but if you can pick one player that you've you've got a particular eye on in this game, player to watch on offense and on defense, who do you got? Uh, offensively, I'm going to go with somebody I didn't write about. Um, I'm going to go with Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan, I feel like they're confident that they should be able to run the football. And I, and I think running the football, I don't know how much the weather is going to play a factor. It doesn't look like precipitation is going to be much of a factor as much as just temperature, which you can debate on whether or not that matters. Um, but with Charbonnet, you know, I think Michigan, clearly the simple football one-on-one Michigan will have a better chance to make Joe Milton comfortable if they can run the ball successfully. Otherwise kind of all bets will be off, you know, as far as how Minnesota can attack, we own blah, blah, blah. So I think, I think Charbonnet in particular, just because we kind of look at him as a de facto number one, you know, interested to see how he looks at complete 100%. I think people are going to be surprised. I think he's, I think the explosiveness that he showed against Alabama, they get 13 carries for 84, something like that against Bama in the bowl game last year really was the closest we've seen him to hundred percent. I think he's now had a whole off season to work on himself and, and get back to normal. I think people are going to be surprised at what they see. Um, Michigan said it a thousand times. He was their number one target in the cycle. He what set a record for freshman touchdowns at the position we talked about this a couple weeks ago, either way. Um, if not one, he's right. He was right there. Had one of the better freshman seasons for anybody at back. Um, so I'm going to go with Charbonnet on offense. I think he's going to be a guy could have a good, could have really could have a good game. I mean, one thing I was talking about with a guy I know who's very familiar with the Minnesota football team is that uh linebacker is actually a, a kind of a question mark for them this season. Yeah. yeah right? They're replacing a, 
couple of yeah. guys. Yeah, not just Carter Coughlin either. I believe whoever I can't remember the other guy uh, they're replacing, but was also a, a very big team leader type captain guy. So, um, you know, I think Charbonnet is the kind of guy can exploit and attack there and, and make do some damage. Yeah, I, that's who I probably would have picked too. I, I I believe that weather plays some role. I don't think it's a huge role, but I think it's a big role in the 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 contact. I, I like. I don't think. Joe Milton's not going to be able to throw because the high it's going to be like 28 degrees catching. I think the, uh, you know, I, I, for some of our listeners, if you haven't seen football gloves these days, you throw those things on. I mean, you you don't really, not to say you can't ever drop a pass, but you don't have the same excuse. Like, Oh, it's cold. Like those things. I mean, you basically just put your hand out and you'll catch a moving football. And so as far as the bouncing off fingers, I, you know, it might play a factor, but I think it really comes down to uh, point of contact. And I think, I think having a gigantic offensive line, like Michigan does, I think the average weight, I think I did it the other day is 319 pounds. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. You got 1600 pounds of weight. And so I think the, the player I'm keeping an eye on, you could probably pick all five uh, in, the, in that run game, but, but I'm going to look at Ryan Hayes. I, I think I picked him yesterday as maybe the breakout player. I, I think it's weird because, and Steve, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, they almost are talking about Hayes less than the guys on the inside. And it reminds me a little bit of Aiden Hutchinson last year where they had already moved past kind of trying to tout how good he is because they already just felt like he was already there. And so Hayes, I know he's not... The biggest lineman, I think, I mean, he's listed at 303. You know, Philly, Aga, Stuber, they have a, if they can get moving, just the inertia that they can produce in the cold weather uh, would be very interesting. But but Minnesota actually, I think they're solid on the defensive interior. I think it's the ends that they're worried about. They got a couple a couple new ends. Some, some athletic, twitchy guys, but if Hayes is all that I feel has been advertised to us, as reporters, I think Michigan's going to be able to to run off him and off Mayfield, and they're going to have a, a real one-two punch. I I don't know what Michigan's game plan is going to be, but I think if Hayes is delivering some some big hits in twenty degree weather, that's going to hurt a little bit more, and I think that could be a factor. I, I agree though, Charbonnet. Um, I'd also I wonder about Mike Sainer still getting some late fall camp buzz. Sure, can he outrun everybody on Minnesota's team? he might be able to, I, I don't know, but um, you know, just knowing how fast he can go and uh, all that, knowing that he's kind of ascending, not, not that he's coming out of nowhere, but he's ascending late as kind of a, maybe the number two receiver on the defensive side of the ball. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I, I think you there's one, there's ahead. one really obvious one. And that is of course, Vincent gray, uh, Brad Hawkins outlined it. I think on Tuesday with us. And he basically said, Nope, that's Vincent Gray's job, you know, in terms of covering uh, Rashad Bateman. So get it. I'm, I'm very interested to see just how committed that, that one-on-one matchup is. I'm sure Michigan fans are not necessarily, I mean, they're kind of holding on to their armchairs a little bit, uh, knowing that Rashad Bateman's a potential top 10 draft pick and, and Gray is, while he has experience, it'll be, really his first time as a number one cornerback. But, you know, I, I got to think 
it's going to be, I think you might've actually first tuned me into this, but the, the Connor cook Aaron Burbridge game, right. Where Jordan Lewis, I mean, Burbridge had had a big game, right. And, and cook had a big game, but Jordan Lewis also had eight pass breakups in that game alone. And so he held his own and he kept Michigan in it. And I think, I think that, that I, I think I would expect something similar. Now, Bateman, I think is better. And I, I think you could make a case Tanner Morgan's better, but if gray can, I maybe Bateman only wins 50% of the, of the battles or something it, that, that might be the difference between Michigan, you know, having to play from behind and Michigan, maybe having a lead, maybe doing well. And so, um, can't can't all be on gray right pass rush matters help coverage matters but I think if he has the best game of his life I think the whole nation's going to know his name by Sunday so I'm I am going to go with one of the guys I did write about and I'm going with Hutchinson just because and I'm basically going to kind of illustrate what I wrote in the piece today you know I think it was his dad that mentioned the Bosa stuff yep yep right no pressure. I mean, that's that, you know, that is a, you got to remember, I mean, Joey Bosa, two time first team All American, uh, Nagurski finalist, uh, just really one of the better defensive players to come through the Big Ten in a long time. And, you know, so that's a, whether he's Ohio State or whatever, he could have played for, you know, Purdue or something. Well, like, I've, I've compared him to someone who did go to Purdue, Ryan Kerrigan. Kerrigan, sure. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Just, but you hear Bosa and you're like, okay, like that's, that's pretty, pretty hefty there. Um, he'll have an opportunity on Saturday to start that campaign, I suppose. Uh, if this is something that's going to be a real thing or a possibility, you know, we've, there've been rumors, not substantiated yet, but consistent rumors that Minnesota might be down a couple of their top offensive linemen. Um, if that's the case, you know, you got to think one of Hutchinson and pay has a, has a really a significant game or they both have big games because they kind of feed off each other, you know, on the edges, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see if Hutchinson can kind of, yeah, get the season off on the right, not on the right foot, but can he, is he a guy who's capable of dominating a football game on the defensive end position. I, I think he has a good opportunity to do that and it would change, you know, it could change a lot in this individual game because Tanner Morgan is not a threat to beat you with his feet. I know they've run some RPO, they've run some stuff before, but I don't remember what his net yardage was last year, but not a guy I think you're you're too concerned about, you know, with beating you on the, on his feet. So, you know, might be a guy that they might be able to get to. And uh, so... Yeah, more really me like saying, hey, like that's a that's a pretty lofty comparison. Can he can he at least you know give fans or give us when we're watching an opportunity to say, okay, maybe maybe this is for real. Like maybe he can really have that kind of impact. Negative fifty seven rushing yards for Tanner Morgan last year. There you go. With, with so that sacks included, obviously. So yes, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. So not a guy, you know, maybe not a statue. Right. But not a guy that, you know, like I said, I, I don't even know if he's that that annoying Aaron Rodgers on third and six and gets you seven like four times in the game kind of guy. Well, he's not, not a, even Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford and, and Brian Lewerke, I'm sure. Aaron Rodgers is actually a good comparison too, but 
you know, just thinking for Michigan fans, it's like Sean Clifford. It's like just when they're about to sack him, he finds just enough space, yep. right? To, yep. yeah, yeah. The Aiden Hutchinson one is. I mean, he certainly. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him because you're absolutely right. He, um, there's a lot, been a lot of talk, and they've put it out, right? I mean, this isn't so much. I mean, yeah, the coaches have have kind of given it, but you know, I mean, for his dad to kind of come out and say that is a really big, like, it's different than a coach. You know, a coach is never going to throw out Joey Bosa. No, as a comparison, you no. know, for his dad to come out and say like, we think he's got Joey. So. Like, Right. It'll be a, it'll be a nice credibility check for Chris Hutchinson. Who I, mean, <laughs> really I've, will. I really I've, will. I've talked to him at a couple events, and and I I really think he's he's a a really nice guy, really um, good guy. But yeah, he's when I first read those quotes, I was like, okay, you know, we've all I'm sure you've covered the recruits who who have dads who are just adamant, right, that their their kid's going to be really good. But Aiden Hutchinson has backed it up. And I think the one I, to me, the most significant quote from this off season that came from Aiden Hutchinson's dad is that Aiden lost 17 pounds of body fat. Sure. And gained some more muscle. I think he's listed as down seven or eight on the roster last year. I, he, I don't know if you know the Steve, he was six in the big 10 in quarterback pressures, but he only had, was it four and a half sacks? He had the Rashawn Gary deal where mm-hmm. he was a half a step away from probably getting six or seven more sacks. You know, that right. was Sean's thing was just before the ball or get there just as the ball was released, you know? So, and so, re- to, yeah, Sorry. to me, I look at that shedding weight and, and I think we saw him at the uh, Michigan's we want to play protest. He looks a little, little slimmer. You know, I don't know if that means he's going to, be Joey Bosa but I think to me I think more significant than any comparison or or hype is is what what actually did change and if he's a little slimmer a little faster uh without a drop off in strength could be a pretty big season next on our list Michigan should be worried about blank so what is something whether it's been discussed or whether it hasn't been discussed what is something Michigan should be more worried about or should be worried about. So I've heard some good things about Chris Ottman bell, who is Minnesota's second receiver Hmm, behind Bateman. Um, Again, there's no way that their combo is going to outdo Bateman and Tyler Johnson. I would be shocked. I mean, Tyler Johnson, another, you know, Minnesota, they're the few guys that they had drafted last year between Antoine Winfield Jr., actually both Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Tyler Johnson's been playing some really good football for the Buccaneers last couple weeks. Um, You know, and Fleck has kind of had a history of producing guys at the receiver position. Um, Yeah, started out as a receivers coach. Right. So I've heard some good things about Ottman Bell, which I'm sure is going to allow Michigan fans to sleep well at night as there many of them are already questioning Michigan's cornerback <laughs> situation. Uh, but right. it is a deal where I, I, I still can see foresee a situation where Bateman is just talented enough where they're just going to try to feed him the ball, no matter what, you know, like you said, you brought up Burbridge. I remember, uh, I can't remember what year it's been a long time, but Notre Dame did that with Michael Floyd against Michigan. I think he had like 18 catches or something in that game. Um, you know, I could see them trying to trying to do the same type of deal, but I would not write off Ottman Bell as a, a comparable uh, uh, 
consistent second receiver. You know, a guy wouldn't just be as like, oh, that they're, they're just going to throw to one guy. Like, I think he's a guy they might try to feed. You know, and that really could be a deal for them where they may, maybe they try that early to open things up for for Bateman. You know, so whoever's whoever's remaining that second corner spot, we suspect it'll be Jamon Green may get tested right away as maybe the Minnesota will kind of test those waters and see if they can, you know, kind of open up the other side of the field for Bateman to make some big plays. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that happens all the time, actually, is that, you know, everyone, everyone goes into a season thinking, well, I, could you argue it kind of happened with Bateman? Everyone was talking about Tyler Johnson. It, this, this is a couple years ago. And then he comes in and everyone's like, well, uh-oh, <laughs> he's, he's pretty good too. Ottman Bell, maybe a little different. I think this is, this is his fourth season with the Golden Gophers. Uh, he only, his only offers were Western Michigan and Minnesota, interestingly enough. But yeah, that's, that's a good one because that would make a big difference. I mean, you can put Vincent Gray on Rashad Bateman, but then you also have a total newcomer, whoever it is, on, on Ottman Bell. I was going to go with the running back, Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, I think last year, obviously, they were driven by Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, who I, I think spent like a combined 12 years on Minnesota's campus. I mean, I think they were, if, if they weren't fifth-year senior or sixth-year seniors, they were definitely fifth-year seniors. But they actually both had injuries a couple years ago in, in the 2018 season. And Ibrahim just went out and I, I think he was a if he he was a freshman and burst out an eleven hundred yard season where he averaged five point seven yards per carry. And last year uh didn't play as much. And that was in ten games, by the way. Um t- in ten games last year he had six hundred and four. So he was not necessarily the same same kind of carry load. Uh but no, I think he's someone I mean, we talked about how important Zach Charbonnet might be to Michigan's success as, as kind of a, um, you know, work the line of scrimmage running back in a, in a cold weather game. Ibrahim might be someone to watch. I, I think he's getting left way under the radar. I think he's the only running back in the entire Big Ten that has a 1,100-yard season under his belt in the entire conference. And so now, I mean, he's an upperclassman now. Um, I don't cover Minnesota, so I can't speak to, you know, what physical changes he's made, a la Aiden Hutchinson. But but he's someone I think is consistently slept on. I mean, he put up, a, he had a great season with pretty efficient numbers, and he's done it against some good teams. I think that's always the question, knowing, you know, Minnesota's, um, knowing that they, in the past, they haven't really played too many tough non-conference opponents. They also get to feed on the big 10 West, but you know, against Auburn in the bowl game, I know, I know you can take the bowl game for what you will 20 carries 140 yards against, um, against Ohio state last seat in 2018, excuse me, 157 yards, two touchdowns against Georgia tech in a bowl game last year, 224 yards and two touchdowns, 121 yards against Wisconsin and a touchdown when they beat, the Badgers in 2018. So I don't, I don't know if he's going to be first team all big 10, uh, but he has a history of showing up in big games and, and in a game that looks like it could be a best run game wins setting again, no precipitation. So maybe that's, that's erroneous on my part, but 
I think he's definitely someone that um, Michigan should be maybe more worried about than, than fans are. are just, I mean, I think fans are very much like Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, Daniel Flaley, the 400-pound offensive tackle. I think I think you got to throw Muhammad Ibrahim into that mix. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next category. Steve, I'll let you go first with this one. I have a hunch that blanks. So something that you might not have a, a stat or it might not make total sense, but you're just in in kind of conjecturing how this game will go. What is something that you you just kind of got that feeling about? So Eric All was one of the guys I wrote about this morning, but I'm actually going to go and I'm going to say, I think people are going to be excited about Nick Eubanks at the tight end position after this game. I think, I suspect, because here's the thing, there's one thing, there's one variable in this though that we really, we don't have the answer to, we're not going to have the answer to, or even have a really an educated guess on, is how does the Michigan staff feel like they can best get Milton going? You know, in his first start, got to assume the butterflies will be there, et cetera, et cetera. Is Milton a guy where Michigan may run a play action, max protect, and try to go deep to make a big play early? Or is he like a more of a rhythm guy where they get him some short, easy routes, get him some completions to kind of build that confidence up to then allow them to maybe work their way down the field a little bit more, right? I kind of tend to believe it's the latter. I think they're going to want to get him some easy completions, move the chains a little bit, a little bit of push and pull with the run game. I think maybe you'll see a heavy dose of Eubanks in that regard. You know, we talk about the linebacking situation at Minnesota, something maybe Michigan can exploit in the passing game. And, and no Antoine Winfield Jr., who really, you know, like I said, might might be an all-pro at the NFL level this year already. I mean, he's right. He's playing at a very, very high level. Uh, as a second round draft pick for Tampa Bay. So, you know, I, I think could see a steady dose of a, of a reliable, but to me, a guy still, I don't think has really hit his stride per se as in a guy like Eubanks, I think could be a nice safety valve to get Milton comfortable, get some first down, you know, uh, accumulate some first downs and then maybe allow them to open things up a little bit more. Yeah, I think <laughs> You want to talk about someone who hasn't been talked about enough this fall. I I, I think I actually, I don't know if you list, listened to the episode, I think I picked uh, Eubanks as maybe Michigan's unsung hero this season. As someone who just wasn't, you know, even if he has success, it, it probably won't be appreciated enough. Because, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is interesting how, I mean, it makes sense. He was, you know, he was not one of the biggest names last season and and they have, you know, kind of think everyone, every Michigan fans like falling in love with all the speed. But yeah, in a, on a team that needs 
red zone targets, Eubanks is really the only one who has produced in the red zone for Michigan before. So my hunch, and I'm sure, get your recorder out if you're ready to, to cold take expose me. I'm really not sold on Minnesota's defense. I, you know, it, it just, you mentioned Winfield. What can a first team all American safety do to a defense? Like, how, how helpful can that be? And you think about Carter Coughlin, multi year starter in the NFL. I, if I'm not mistaken, they lost seven starters on defense. And I, I think Michigan, depending on how you count different players as starters, is technically in a similar boat, but. You know, Thomas I think Barber. that's Thomas Barber. Sorry to interrupt you, but you're talking about the, their linebackers. He's the other guy three years. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Right. And, and pretty, pretty good one too. I, yep. uh, I'm just, I'm looking at it and I, I just, I don't think for as, as I, I think Fleck is a mate. I mean, look at, look at who he's found at running back or not running back, but receiver and quarterback already, you know, and, and, Look at how they've recruited the offensive line. Might not be tons of top 200 recruits, but they've got guys who can do things that are very hard to defend. I don't know if I've seen the same from their their defense. You know, they've got two pretty good uh, cornerbacks, like Coney Durr and, and Benjamin St. Juiced. Michigan fans familiar with him. I think their defensive interior is is plus. I don't know if it's top three in the Big Ten, but it's definitely in the top half. I'm just not totally convinced that they have a defense that is top 25. And you think about every year with, with Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, and Indiana a couple years, Michigan so often has to play Notre Dame last season. So often has to play top shelf defenses that I don't think we fully ever get a grasp on what they would do against a so-so defense. And so I could be, I could be way off. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns with the season opener, but I, I did the, the, I ranked Michigan's opponents at each position group. I just was not, not overwhelmed at the talent at that Minnesota's defense has. So we'll have to see, but I think for as much talk as there is about, you know, Michigan's cornerback problems and, and maybe their issues on the defensive interior and having a new Viper. I just, I, my hunch, I don't think Minnesota's defense is all that good. I could see this being closer to a, to one of those Indiana, Michigan shootouts then maybe something else. But anyway, on to our over-unders. Thanks again to Neil, who who once again brought these back. It's always a fun feature and a fun way for us to preview the game. Uh, but Steve, we've got a bunch of them. We've got 15 in total. We'll try to, try to go through them rather, rather quickly. 199.5 passing yards for Joe Milton. Uh, I'm going to go with the over on that one. Okay. I'm going to go over as well. I think, I think 200, you know, if it were, if it were five years ago, 
or if this were Jim Harbaugh's offense, not Josh Gaddis's offense, I'd, I'd be inclined to maybe take the under as a safe pick. But I mean, even Shea Patterson averaged what 220 passing yards a game last season. And, and you have to think this game will be close or potentially be close, which would in, involve Michigan needing to throw a little bit more. I'm going to say the over nine and a half runs in the first 15 offensive plays. Under, I think like, I think they might, I, that's a tough one, man. This one was one of the harder ones for me. I'm going to say under, but I think it's like close, like nine. Okay. I'm going to say under, I think 10 is just, I think that'd be a little high. Um, if it starts to rain, that's a different discussion, but I think, I think it's under, but I do think there are a couple plays where it's like maybe a, a, a little screen pass to, to Giles Jackson in motion or something like that, that like is kind of like a run, but it technically counts as a pass. Number three, Zach Charbonnet is Michigan's leading rusher by 24 and a half yards. I say over. I actually think Charbonnet is going to have a pretty good game for them. Yeah, I do too. I I don't know about 100 yards. Maybe it's that, it's that one of the ones coming up, but I don't know if he gets to the century mark. Chris Evans, an interesting, I mean, you know, does he come close to Charbonnet, especially with that big play potential? We don't know exactly what Blake Corman and Hassan Haskins are going to bring. But yeah, I think I think Michigan quietly, I, I think Charbonnet is quietly emerging as maybe not Jonathan Taylor level of ball dominant running back, but I think he's going to, I think he has a better chance than people are giving him credit for to be first team all Big Ten or second team all Big Ten or one of the top running backs this season in the league. 0.5 screen passes attempted to Chris Evans. Neil's been listening for a while. He knows, he knows our brand over he, under. He knows we're both going to say over, right? I mean, <laughs> it's it's got that. This is one area offensively where I think Michigan can completely rewrite their situation because the screen game with Patterson at quarterback was subpar at best last year. I, I think it's at least as far as the the old school setting up the running back. You know, not talking about the bubble passes and the and the jailbreak type screen, that type of stuff. I'm talking like your classic feign the defense one way, throw it the other way to the back. You know, like I, I think Michigan, I think this is a different area where they can really, you know, I think maybe Milton's better equipped to do it. And I think that Evans is the perfect type of back to run that type of play with. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, just being able to get your throws out quicker. Um I think could be something to keep it. And and they also had months to kind of figure this out. Like, I, I think if this had been a September game, I'd be like, well, you know, how, how much trust has Chris Evans gained with, with Milton and Josh Gaddis? I mean, at this point, yeah, he's been there the whole time. They've, they've talked about him a lot in fall camp. Uh, it's, I almost picked him as a breakout star because I think, but I, I didn't, but you know, it's almost like they almost view him as like this, excellent transfer that was just added and it is an instant impact guy uh 69.5 yards receiving to michigan's leading receiver i'm gonna take the under i i don't think they have a i mean ronnie bell i guess would technically be the number one but i i think they're gonna spread it around your thoughts That's, that was my thought too i had posted under for this one okay are we four for four in agreeing with each other 
I think we are so far. Okay. (laughs) Well, last year I beat you apparently 75 to 74 out of 141. So we were both pretty similar about 50. Well, you're welcome because there were probably like 10 of them that I, you guessed it first and we were in agreement the whole time. And so I just said, Oh, I'll just pick the other to disagree with you. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's whatever. I'll let, I'll let Neil decide. That's (laughs) impressive though. So almost split down the middle. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. If only we were like it'd be cooler if we were like a hundred to one to a hundred. <laughs> yeah, that would that'd be pretty. Yeah. But you know what? These are these are well thought out over unders. Next one: three and a half receptions by tight ends. Eric all even include included even if he does line up at receiver. I'm taking the over. I'm I'm with you on that Eubanks situation. I think that's that's one way to really get into a rhythm. And and I don't know. I mean, Minnesota doesn't really use their tight ends so that might be something that their defense isn't i'm sure they know how to defend tight ends but maybe that's not their forte so to speak yeah i mean i'm going with over also plus if eric all and nick eubanks are kind of under the radar to michigan fans are they under the radar to minnesota fans i do think a key is the fact that all can be included even if he lines up at receiver because again we Nothing concrete, but I would be—I'd actually be surprised if he's not a guy they split out in the red zone occasionally to give them some okay some different looks. I think it's a possibility. I think mm-hmm. he's—we'll think about his size. He's mm-hmm. not your like really really bulky tight end, and he's very long and he has excellent hands. That's what I posted on him this morning. Last year, he we were told he had the second best hands on the team behind Nico Collins. Like he and Nico Collins had the two right. best sets of hands on the team. You know, Eubanks is sort of your not a safety valve. That I feel like it's almost a negative uh, term, but like a, a a guy who can make plays in the seam. If you have somebody in the, within the fifteen yard line or so, like all that you can put out there when you only have one other receiver that's over six two, just makes a lot of sense to even maybe put him on the field at the same time. So something to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I guess we haven't heard anyone talk about it, but, but it logistically, I, I think we've talked about it on the podcast makes sense. Makes sense to try it. I mean, the NFL does it all. Uh, I don't have a cool speed number handy for how fast he is, but, but you know, you saw it in the spring game a little bit in 20 uh, was 2019 where that was, maybe 15, 20, 25 pounds ago for all, but still, especially in the red zone where it's not a track meet to get downfield, you just have to find a little opening here. Or there might be an option to consider longest play. Michigan's longest offensive play is 44.5 yards over or under. I said under. Okay. I, that is kind of a high one, isn't it? Last I mean, year. it is, but it is. That's a solid. He's very good at figuring out the right because this is it's one. I actually had to think about it a little bit because, again, say they run the ball successfully, Milton's got the arm, and Michigan has the speed on the outside to find a guy down the sidelines, you know, for a long touchdown. I don't think that's a, you know, so I'm going to take. So you took under. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to agree with you, but. Um, I'm going to take the under, I actually, this, this might be a, a situation where Neil didn't do his research for the over under, 
because last season, Minnesota only allowed eight plays of 45 yards or 40 yards or more, excuse me. And Michigan only accumulated 13 plays, about one per game of 44.5 yards or more. I'm going to say under. It is a fascinating one, though, because I, I keep talking about Michigan's got a few guys that maybe can outrun Minnesota a little bit. And, and I mean, even Chris Evans has a 200-yard rushing game against Minnesota under his belt. Now, sure. different, different Minnesota team, but still. Uh, four, four and a half sacks slash negative rushing plays given up by the offensive line. So I'm going to assume this is just given up by the team. If, if we're wrong, I mean, that might be a different thing. I'm going to say, so this is tackles for loss. Basically. I'm going to say over, even though I'm not as sold on Minnesota's defense as I am on Michigan's offensive line. I think, I think they can get five tackles for loss, especially we'll see how crisp Michigan's offense looks, but sometimes the tackle for loss isn't even an offensive lineman getting beat. It's the running back, you know, going to the wrong hole or missing their assignment slightly. Uh, I could see some first game, first game jitters. I'm going to take over. I mean, the jitters are the only, the biggest reason why I would, would say over, I'm just going to, this is one where I'll say under <clears throat> just to disagree with you. Um, one of the biggest, like, Michigan did not have a ton of negative rushing plays last year. Now, I know a lot of that, you know, we know what they've lost up front. But they also have, you know, bigger backs. Between Charbonnet and then Haskins, obviously. Haskins is a guy, I think, is a guy really hard to bring down behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, regardless I, I of counted, the, by I, the way, in 270 I – I have the stat friendly. In 270 carries – Charbonnet and Haskins had only net in so Michigan does positive rushing yards and negative rushing yards and they do net rushing yards. They only had negative 28 rushing yards. That's the whole a, season. It's quite a stat actually compared to like 1370 something positive rushing yards. Sure. That's a good, that's a good sign, you know, for guys who really, it was their, well, it was literally sharp. Well, it was really their both their first year. Right. <clears throat> playing back. So that's a great statistic uh, when you consider how much better these backs can get, you know, as they get more experience. So I guess the question that might become more of a Milton stat, you know, than anything, does he hold on to the ball a little bit too long? Does he, you know, maybe try to rush out of the pocket a couple times to get tripped up? You know, that, that, that could be that where that stat kind of turns around. Yeah. I think, I think Minnesota's a little worried about having pass rushers too. So so that's a case for under. I'm taking the over. Last year, Michigan allowed 63 tackles for loss in 13 games. So four point. So Neil, Neil did some homework on this one. <laughs> 4.85 per game. Uh, two and a half touches for Blake Corum, AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, Steve. Over. Does okay. that include special teams? I'm going to guess no. Oh. Uh, I'll still say over. Okay. I see. I think Wilson could get it himself. I I'm, I'm not quite sure AJ Henning or Blake Corum would get there for the sake of disagreement. I'll say under, and that's partly due to disagree, but also 
I don't know. I haven't heard anything concrete like such and such is going to be part of the game plan or, or such and such is definitely going to start about those three. Uh, anyway, on to defense and special teams. Six and a half catches for Rashad Bateman. I'm taking easy over there. Yeah, I did too. I think that's Burbridge strategy or not. <clears throat> I think he'll at least get his as far as like they're going to target him enough times he'll make enough plays. Didn't Tyler Johnson have like 83 catches last year? Like that's got to go to someone. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. You know, they're going to they're going to run plays still. Um, 68.5% completion for Tanner Morgan. I'm going to take the under. I, I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe Fields. Michigan really doesn't allow teams to complete 70, 69% of their passes or more. And that's, I know it's a new set of cornerbacks and the secondary's got some turnover, but I think that's a, that's a, I know, I'm sure that's what Morgan average does. I, I don't think he gets that high. I, that was a number that jumped out to me like, no way. You know, really, like, I'm trying to think. I suppose Mac Jones in the bowl game, but again, Bama has five stars at every position. I'm trying to think of the last, like Jack Cone, I guess, kind. I'm trying to think of the last, like, just strictly pocket passer type guy to just pick Michigan apart defensively. Right. I mean, it's, it doesn't happen very, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, I, right. I suspect 68.5%. Michigan's in trouble if the over is what hits in that, in that regard. Last season, teams completed 57.4% of their passes against Michigan. Got to think Jones and Fields. Right. Right. Sorry. So hold on. It's, um, yeah, and Tanner Morgan completed only 66% of his passes. So, yeah, not um interesting number. Neil might know something we don't know, but that that seems a little high. One and a half sacks by Pay and Hutchinson. I hate the sack prediction ones. I, I feel like I always get them wrong, but Steve, your thoughts? I'll go over. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a low one because, like, if they get to two – then that's then it's the over it that seems conceivable i'm gonna go under because that is my new rule when it comes to sack predictions is it unless you're predicting an entire team i because it could be i mean Payne hutchinson could do all the work and uh chris hinton could get could get the sack technically so i'm gonna go with under are you taking the Costanza approach? Like, just go the opposite of what you think? Is that what your logic is here? No, no, no. I'm saying, well, a little. I just take the under on, on sacks sure. All right, for individual fair. players because I think it's just, it's so hard to be like, oh, so I think uh, Chase Young is maybe one guy that you could say, oh, yeah, he's going to get a sack today. Sure. I mean, Pay and Hutchinson, there could be a game where they combine for eight. Was it the Iowa game that they did that? But then, I mean, they only combined for 11 last season. So um, I expect them to maybe do better on a per-game basis this fall, but I don't know when their sacks are going to come. And I think I think it's it's too easy for another player to, to end up with the official sack. It's kind of like picking interceptions. It's like, you know, someone could play the best cornerback game of their life 
and not technically come down with a pick. Anyway, four and a half plays of 20 yards or more given up by the defense. Got to think Michigan's in trouble if they give up five chunk plays like that. But your thoughts? I said under two. I mean, I, I'm i going under. I don't know you haven't, you haven't said yet, but I'm going under just for that. Like, that's the thing is I could see them getting three or four. You know, so it's not as if I'm like, they're not going to get any plays of 20 plus yards. I just think, you know, to go over to say they get five plays of 20 yards or more, I think that'd be too much. Last last season, Minnesota had 74 such plays wow. in 13 games. That's pretty impressive. That is. That is. Um, I'll take the over. I You know, 20, 20 yard plays are not. I don't know if they're on the rise. It just feels like they're on the rise. Um, you know, so a lot of those went to Tyler Johnson, but I mean, didn't Rashad Bateman average more than 20 yards per reception last season? Oh, geez. And he had 63 catches. Sure. So I think, I think they get over on that. Uh, let's see. Next one. 7.5 tackles plus sacks plus interceptions for Dax Hill. So how many havoc plays does Dax Hill get? I'm taking the under. I think eight is is too many. Well, with tackles though, uh, I I'm going to take the under. I think, yeah. right. but I'll take the over because I because okay. of, of tackles. Yeah, could easily be eight zero zero, right? I mean, eight hundred. No, like eight tackles, zero sacks, oh, zero yeah, interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, we're all pretty, pretty yeah, no, impressed with Dax Hill. But. Wait till you see what Dax Hill does on Saturday. It's, <laughs> it's going to be unprecedented. Yeah, no, it could be it could be eight tackles, especially, I mean, I think the Indiana game, they really tested Dax Hill, and he ended up with, like, what, seven tackles in the first two drives. And so, um, could be, could be, I, I guess I'm, I'm taking – the under there largest lead by any team in the game will be 14.5 points. I, I know what you want to say. uh, No, I mean, I'm going to really, I'm going to take the under. Okay. I just, I know we talked about before the show, it kind of feels like with, with the way these, these passing games are, and maybe some uh, suspicious secondary play for both teams um, having to replace some key players. I could see it. One team just like having it and the other team, not feels like an even matchup. I'll take the under. Yeah. I'm going to take the under also. I was going to the whole time. So, okay. I think the under, I that's a two touchdowns. I mean, I don't know. I suppose, I guess my caveat is that if, if one team does go up by that much, I suspect it'll be Michigan just because I just think Michigan's defense you talked about Minnesota's defense being a little being, being many more question marks there. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan has a legit all big 10 candidate at all three levels of their defense. So I, I just, I have a hard time believing Minnesota's gonna... higher floor. I feel yeah, like. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I I'm in the same boat. Anyway, final one score prediction and, and a little bit of a, kind of the line of thinking. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first on this one. All right. So I I, I think we just teased it before the show. I'm, I, I kind of wondered 
and this is related to that defensive hunch that I have is like, there's just a part of me that, that wonders if Minnesota is going to be every year in the big 10, there's a team that, um, that might still be good, but maybe got a little too much love for, for having a strong finish, winning their bowl game the season before in, in 2017, I think you could argue it was Michigan in 2018. I think, Wisconsin and Penn State kind of fit the bill, you know, coming off of their 2017 seasons. They just weren't weren't quite as good. Maybe Penn State still ended up being solid, but Wisconsin and then 2019. Yeah, you know, I can't remember who it was in 2019. I had this all written down at one point, but but I I just wonder if if Minnesota maybe won a little bit more than they than they got, or maybe won. They won 11 games, not going to discount that, but uh, maybe just had, as you mentioned, the home ga- the one home game. They caught the right team in the bowl game. I don't know that they did anything that different than what um, Michigan did last season. I think I think Michigan was 2-4 and four against postseason top 15 teams. I think Minnesota was 1-2 and two at the end of the day. And so with, with losses to Iowa and Wisconsin, maybe they were 2-2. Two and two. Uh, but I think it was, I think it might've been one and two anyways. You know, I just wonder if that, if they're not that they're getting crazy playoff hype, but I, I just wonder if they're getting elevated a little bit more because my other theory about off season elevation is, is teams that return their starting quarterback, get overhyped more than teams that, and whereas teams that don't return their starting quarterback, get, get undersold a little bit. Um, yeah, because I think people have talked about Michigan's lock, loss of production. I mean, there's a few spots, and we certainly don't need to throw anybody the, under the bus, but there are a few spots where I think Michigan fans expect the the replacement to be better than the departing player. I think that's true on defense. I think that's true in a couple spots on offense. And I don't know if I Minnesota fan would have to enlighten me if they feel like that's the case at receiver, at safety, at linebacker, at defensive end. Those are some key spots. So I'm, I'm kind of in the boat. I think, I think Michigan will win. I do. I think, uh, you know, I think the road game, if it was a sold out TCF bank stadium, totally different discussion. I feel like, I think this is a game where Michigan will, We'll have to bring it, but it will. It, I think Michigan's going to be afforded an opportunity to get comfortable in this game, and I think a comfortable Michigan with the rosters I've I've seen for both teams, I think a comfortable Michigan is the better team. So I'm going to say Michigan 36, Minnesota 31. I don't know how Michigan's going to get to 36. I kind of regret saying that number, but <laughs> uh, it's already set in stone. So. Yep, yep. Minnesota 31. Uh, so 36, 31, Steve, your prediction. So I agree with you fully Michigan in a way kind of catches a break as far as the no crowd deal here. Um, absolutely feel like it would change the situation in this game, just because I think we're seeing more and more across college football. The lack of crowds in, in a stadium is really not fully negating the home field advantage, but I think it's having an impact. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, you see the SEC, uh, especially, you know, a lot of quote upsets, road upsets early on in the season. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat. Like, I'm my biggest thing about offseason hype is I think teams that win their bowl games too often get a, a little bit overhyped going into the season. You know, we see it almost every year with Texas. You know, as uh, this is the year for Texas because they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl that one time. Right. Um, you right. know, and I kind of feel that way a little bit about Minnesota. Now, don't get me wrong, like, Fleck has this program definitely trending up and trending up pretty quickly. I mean, they might be that team to eventually contend with Wisconsin on a, on a year to year basis in the West, not just a, you know, like a every three year deal, like Iowa, you know, where it's like, Iowa's like the uh, magic eight ball of the big 10, you know, it's <laughs> like, you don't really know what Iowa, you know, so I think they might be in the position to best contend with Wisconsin for the foreseeable future. But, but I agree. I mean, I just look at the offenses too. I know Minnesota does it. You you've been big on Ibrahim. I think he can do so. I could, he can definitely do some stuff, but, and I know there's no Nico Collins, but man, it just feels like Michigan has so many different ways now that they can attack you. Uh, you have a veteran in the middle at tight end and Eubanks. you have a high ceiling complimentary guy in all uh, at running back. You have, I think Blake, any other year, I think Blake Corum would be, a lock to see considerable playing time, but you have Evans in the boat with Charbonnet, obviously. And then Haskins who we shouldn't be selling him short as a potential impact player offensively either. I mean, he made some really big plays in the run game for him as well. Um, and then in the passing game, you talk about, you know, Sainer still has been getting some hype. We know what Giles Jackson's capable of uh, Cornelius Johnson played in every game last year there again, a little uncertainty is for, you know, unknowns, but the t- talent level, you know, it was across the board offensively. So really it, it does. It comes down to what Joe Milton is. I uh, said that on our national 24 seven national podcast this morning. I think he does enough. I don't think it's going to be, I think I'm not going to say it's a bumpy ride, but it's not going to be a smooth ride all the way on Saturday. I don't, I don't think any, I, if anybody who expects that is crazy, um, but I think Michigan's defense, you know, is good enough to keep them afloat and give them enough of an advantage where Michigan uh, wins this game. I have it 31 to 23 and you know how they get there, whatever. I don't know. I think, I think Michigan runs the ball very effectively. Milton maybe makes a big player too. Yeah. At least those are normal football numbers. I went with 36. Yeah, 36. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, 12, field, 12 field goals, right? <laughs> no, they'll go for two more <laughs> likely. So by the way, just for fans uh, in terms of expectations last season, uh, the the cleveland.com they they pull like 30 some uh big 10 football reporters the projected top three in the big 10 east was michigan ohio state michigan state so you could argue michigan and michigan state were kind of those teams that returned their quarterbacks um you know we're coming off seasons i know michigan lost its its bowl i think both teams lost their bowl games but kind of they had enough pieces people maybe got a little little overhyped and then in the west it was nebraska iowa and then wisconsin so could argue preseason stuff is completely i mean that's that's that that does not help the cause for all of the the preseason content that we're we're writing but something to consider is is teams that might might your hypothesis is the bowl games i think that's a fair one mine is that the teams with returning quarterbacks just get a little bit more a little bit more benefit of the doubt of the other players that they lost. Regardless, we're going to find out. Be sure to stay tuned with the Michigan Insider 
Michigan.com and Michigan.247sports.com for coverage. I'll be out in Minneapolis, but we'll have lots of reporters uh, covering the press conferences, covering the preseason, pregame stuff, I should say. You know, injuries, who's sitting out. Uh, a few players for Minnesota, it sounds like, could be. I mean, P.J. Fleck didn't didn't close the door on anything. And so, so we'll have to see. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll talk to you with the post-game game in a few days.